Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello everyone, I'm Jamie with homeschool.com and I want to welcome you to our series entitled The Homeschool Helping Hand. We're hoping that this will be a helpful resource for all homeschool parents. Before we get started today, I would like to introduce our special guest. We are so excited to have Sonia Schaefer from Simply Charlotte Mason with us. Sonia, can you take just a minute to share a little bit about yourself and maybe your homeschooling story? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for inviting me, Jamie. Um, I've been homeschooling for about 25 years. And at first I decided I was never going to be a homeschool mom back then. Uh, but my husband said, well, why don't you just try it for a year and see how it goes? And I just loved it so much. We kept going. Uh, we have graduated three out of our four children. Our fourth one has special needs and we are continuing to homeschool her every day. Even though she's 22 now, we still keep homeschooling her because she loves it and because she can keep growing. And we use one particular method called the Charlotte Mason method. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But as we've used that method, we had people asking us questions about it and wanting more information about it. So we created a website just to give them some information. And so I didn't have to remember it everywhere I went. I could just remember the URL and tell them to go there. And over the years, that has just grown and grown. And we've been so blessed to help thousands of families around the world. I often refer to Simply Charlotte Mason as a hobby that got out of control. Definitely a good hobby, though, because I know <laughs> I've, I've found some good information, very helpful stuff when I visited. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Um, so I love hearing about everybody's story. They're they're unique, always unique, but yet at the same time, there is something that we share, which is that love and that passion for homeschooling. Um, but I know one of the first questions that really come to mind as homeschoolers begin this journey is, you know, how do I teach my children? What, what is a good method, I guess you could call it, or way to teach my children or something that actually works for us. And so that's why we've invited you here today because we feel like you have insight on that and would love for you to share with our listeners about how they can discover um, their homeschooling method. Yeah, I'm happy to. That's I use the Charlotte Mason method because that's what fit our family best. But I'm also very passionate about helping each family find what will fit their particular situation and their particular family best. Um, it's easy when we start homeschooling to just say, well, isn't there just one way to do this? I remember years ago, I was at the grocery store and you know, chatting with the checkout person as we were going through, getting all the beep, beep, beep going on with the groceries. And my kids were with me. And she said, Are, is, it, is today a holiday? 
are you out of school? I said, oh no, we homeschool. And she got this puzzled look on her face and she looked at me and said, how does that work? Do they just send you the books? And I'm thinking that's what a lot of people think of as homeschooling, that it has to look this certain way. But the good news about homeschooling is that you have options. You can use a wide variety of methods and styles and you can customize it to make it a joy for your family instead of a drudgery. Absolutely. There are lots of different styles out there. I like to focus on what I think of as the five main ones, five big ones. And if you'd like, I'll be happy to walk everybody through just a big picture of what those five are like. That would be wonderful. I'd love for you to do that. All right. Um, let's start with the first one that's probably the most familiar to all of us. And I call it the traditional method because it's the one most of us are used to. And it uses textbooks and workbooks. Usually you have a textbook for each school subject or a workbook or both. Mm -hmm. And the method is you read the assigned passage, you answer the questions at the end, and then you remember that information for the test that you have later on. Does that sound familiar? Oh, yes. <laughs> you were schooled that way? Oh, yes, definitely. And actually, when I began homeschooling about 15 years ago, I had come from an education background. I was a teacher and eventually a principal and thought I had to do it that way. So we had a little school at home for a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and for some people, that's the good place to start because it's familiar to them. They feel comfortable with it. For other people, they just continue it on the whole time because it is a good fit for their family. So that, that is one option, but there are other options as well. Another option that is growing in popularity these days is called the classical method. Mm -hmm. And with that one, it is based on the idea that your children are divided into three different stages, developmental stages. So with the younger children, about ages six to nine, that stage, they do a lot of memorizing. They memorize lists of facts and maybe names and dates and definitions and things like that. Then the middle group, about ages 10 to 13 or so, somewhere in there, that group focuses on logic. Being able to reason is a big emphasis on that group. And then the older group, about 14 to 18 or so, they focus on using language persuasively, being able to express your thoughts in a way that persuades others. Now that three-stage process has a name for it. It's called the trivium. Mm -hmm. So if you hear about the trivium, that's what they're talking about. And that is one way you would use the textbooks and or the workbooks, but you would put the emphasis on those three areas based on where your children are in that developmental process. Have you heard of classical? I have actually, I had the privilege of interviewing um, Leah Bortons and she yes. really helped explain that to all of us and helped uh, help us understand that 
more clearly. Maybe you can leave a link to that interview as well so people can get more in depth. If that sounds like right. um, the emphasis of classical is very much on critical thinking and logic and reasoning, mm -hmm. um, teaching your child how to think. So that, uh, if that sounds like it would be a good fit for your home school, you might want to dig deeper into it. Right. And then a third flavor, I like to call these flavors of homeschooling, because let me take a little sidetrack here, just a moment. Um, homeschooling is somewhat like choosing what you want to eat today, in a way, <laughs> like because, <laughs> you know, it, when you think about, or if you want to go out to eat, you think, okay, what am I, what am I hungry for? <laughs> am I hungry for uh, Chinese or Italian or American or Mexican? You've got those different flavor groups, and you kind of have a feel for what each of those is like. For example, Jamie, how would you describe Mexican? Mexican food. Yeah, Mexican um, food. How would you, know, you describe it? Just in broad terms. Broad terms, kind of spicy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually rice and beans are involved. <laughs> Yeah, usually. Uh-huh. So again, we're just doing broad terms. And if you're doing broad terms for Italian, how would you describe that? Um, tomato sauce, pasta. It could be spicy as well. Could be. Yeah. Usually a lot of garlic, mm -hmm. which is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for Chinese, you might say rice, mm -hmm. um, soy sauce vegetables, things like this. So we're doing just broad strokes as we describe these flavors. Now you can focus really in depth on any of those flavors. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend who went to New York for a week long cooking class on how to cook like Southern Italy. Wow. So there are nuances yes. in the, within that Italian, and there are nuances within the Mexican and within the Chinese. So what we're doing here is we're just giving you the broad picture. We're just painting in broad strokes these different flavors of homeschooling. And whichever one sounds appealing to you, you can dive deeper into it, just like you would with the cooking. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. All right. So the third flavor we can describe here is the Charlotte Mason flavor that we use. And just so you know, I am not Charlotte Mason, just clarifying that. <laughs> Charlotte Mason was a British educator who lived in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And her ideas created an educational revolution over in England. And then in about the 1980s, her ideas came over to the United States and they really took hold and started a big wildfire amongst homeschoolers. So you will see many homeschoolers today using Charlotte Mason's methods and philosophy. Now, let me just describe it in broad strokes. I'll try to keep it broad. I know, it'll be hard. <laughs> we can dive deep, but let's, let's keep it broad. Rather than using textbooks, uh, Charlotte Mason Homeschool uses what we call living books. Think literary 
literature, stories, things like that, narratives, right. where a textbook is usually written like an encyclopedia with the facts to know, a literary book tells the story. And so that's the type of book that we use for many subjects. And then rather than read the passage, answer the questions, we read some of the living book and then we close it and we ask the student, tell back to me everything you remember. Put it in your own words. That's called narration. I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> yeah, and it can be done many ways. With younger children, they narrate orally. We are reading to them because we're reading on a higher level than they can read for themselves right. at, in those younger grades. They can understand those higher levels, they just can't read it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're reading it to them and they are narrating orally so they don't have to get hindered, hindered by their handwriting at that point and the spelling and all those things. Let them just tell what they remember. Mm -hmm. And then when they get that handwriting and reading more established, usually around oh, fourth grade or so, we start making a transition to having them read the books for themselves and narrate in writing, which is composition, is right. what it is. What we've been asking them to do it all the way through. They just start actually writing it about fourth grade or so, depending on the child. I'm a huge component, a huge proponent of teach the, the child don't teach the curriculum, teach the child. And so with all of these flavors that we're talking about, you take them and you make it your servant, make it work for you. Don't let it dictate to you and your child. We can talk more about that later. So with Charlotte Mason, you've got the literary books, you've got the narration, and then you also have a wide variety of subjects you're going to be doing 15 to 19 different subjects in your school. Now, you're not going to do them all in one day. So, you know, breathe. It's okay. <laughs> it's not like we're doing lessons forever. We do short lessons, but lots of variety so that the child gets a very broad perspective of, and is introduced to many different things in his education. So that's broad strokes for Charlotte Mason. Fourth one that we can talk about, the fourth flavor is called unit studies. Right. Now this one I had a little inkling of also when I started homeschooling. It is used in traditional classrooms, right, Jamie? It is, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And did you have background in unit studies? I did. Um, sometimes I would call them unit studies. Sometimes I would just call it a thematic unit, but basically it's the same thing. I would work yeah. their studies all around a theme and incorporate the various aspects, you know, math, history, all of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's say if you had the theme of um, apples, apples was going to be your thing. So in history, you, you want to see how many school subjects you can tie to that theme. So history, you might read about Johnny Appleseed. Um, science, you would look at apple trees and how they grow and, and look at the apple itself and the parts of an apple and things like that. Um, for language arts, you would take your spelling words 
from that theme. So the children would be learning apple and applesauce and seed and stem and maybe delicious, you know, maybe the types of apples. However, depending on where your child is, what grade level, but you would pull the language arts from an apple theme as well. Uh, you might try to do your art and music around an apple, singing songs about an apple, making up poems about an apple. They might write um, their handwriting practice would be things about apples. You might ask them to write a composition about, you know, when was the last time you had an apple describe what was happening, different things like that. You just want to bring as many school subjects as you can into that theme. Right. Usually unit studies have a lot of hands-on projects. Did you find that, Jamie? Absolutely. I love those. <laughs> And, and some parents do love those. It's like Hobby Lobby. When they walk in the door, the angel choir starts singing, you know? It's their happy place. And yes. other parents, they say, no, I, that just sucks the energy right out of me to do these projects and make this mess. And well, that's going to help you know which flavor you want to use with your kids. Yeah. Because... Remember, whatever flavor you choose, you're going to be doing this every day. So make sure it's going to be compatible with how you want your school to be run and with your personality and with your child, figuring all of that out. So that's unit studies. Usually it's a lot of hands-on projects or it might be um, lap books. Remember those? Mm -hmm. Cutting and pasting and things like that. My friends who use unit studies say that kids learn best when they're doing something. And so they want to keep their, their hands busy. And those activities help them remember the theme that they were talking about. Right. So that's unit studies. And then the last flavor, just broad strokes, is called unschooling. And with all of these flavors, as we talked about, there are different varieties within each one. Mm -hmm. Unschooling, there's a whole spectrum. How, how much of a purist you are in unschooling. Um, but the, in its purest form and its basic form, unschooling is pretty much delight-driven. You let the child decide. You, you see, what is that child interested in? And we're going to just give him resources to feed that curiosity, to feed that hunger for that subject and let him learn about it as much as he wants. And when that interest kind of has run its course, then look at what he's interested in now and we'll feed that one. And we use just everyday life and anything around us is fair game mm -hmm. for part of the curriculum. So there's not usually a set curriculum that we know what we're going to be doing next Tuesday or, or next week or next month. Anyway, there's no set curriculum and there's not really a, a schedule. You're not planning ahead. You're not saying from one to three, we're going to do math. And from, well, I hope you wouldn't do two hours of it anyway, but yeah. you're, you're, there's no schedule really. It's just kind of let's go and see where we're going with this. And let the child lead the way. Mm -hmm. That's really what unschooling is. Yes. And it's lovely how I love how you put that there are 
different variations of each of these, because, you know, as you were talking and working through these flavors, people I know would come to mind, you know, oh, this homeschool mom friend, oh, she's, you know, she's, she's doing unschooling, but she tells me that they do math in um, science and then kind of unschool and, and, and use that whole passion driven learning for the rest of their subjects. So it's interesting and absolutely amazing to me how homeschoolers are just so unique. Every one of us has their own flavor, so to speak. Absolutely. Because that's the beauty of homeschooling is mm-hmm. that you can teach the child and be the teacher as yourself rather than in a classroom, logistically, you can't just have 20 kids each doing their own thing. It would be chaos, but at home you can. So you can customize to fit you and your child. I know many parents who, you can call it eclectic, you can call it a smorgasbord if you're talking about flavors, but that's another great thing is you can combine flavors for your particular homeschool. So you might say, um, for math and science, I'm going to use the traditional approach, and then I'm gonna use unschooling for the rest. Or you might say, I want to use classical for this, and I want to use Charlotte Mason for that, or unit studies here, and then let's throw in these from classical and these from unschooling, and you can do that. You're free to do that. and you can change it up as you go, as you, you know, you try something for a little while and you say, um, it's not quite working the way I thought it was going to. So that's fine. You can tweak as you go along. And that's a great blessing as well. It is. And something else that I've found with my children as they grow and they get older, sometimes something that was working no longer works. And so I'll have to revisit and, and kind of discover what is, where they're at, what, what's going to work now. (laughs) So they sort of keep on your toes, don't they? They do. They do. But what's great is it keeps us growing too, as people, which is a huge advantage that we can keep growing as well. Yes. And I liked what you said, because I feel like this is so important, especially for new homeschoolers as they're, you know, kind of trying to figure out what's going on and where do they fit in all of this is the fact that homeschooling works for us. You know, sometimes I think we're coming into this, or I know I did initially with that traditional education mindset where you're kind of a slave to the system in a sense, you know, this is how it should be. Everything fits neatly in this little box it's ordered. And, but I, you know, obviously with six children, I had to learn that 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 little neat ordered system doesn't always work. (laughs) There's a lot of flexibility that that's required. And so I began to realize that I was sort of a slave to what I thought education had to look like. And when I realized that, that homeschooling was freedom and flexibility and was, it it existed to help me help my children, (laughs) everything changed. Absolutely. Teach the child, Mm -hmm. don't teach the curriculum. Sometimes, for example, 
the curriculum might say, spend two weeks on the plus five table, mm -hmm. the fives table. Well, maybe your child already knows the fives table and he's gonna be bored to tears for the next two weeks. Or maybe your child needs more time than two weeks to learn the fives table. And that's fine. The person who wrote that curriculum doesn't know your child like you know your child. And that's something we need to hold tightly. As you said, when you're first starting out, it's easy to, to think that everybody else knows more than you do. And they might know more about certain things than you do, but you know your child better than they do. And you can see when that child's got it and when he's just floundering. So use that curriculum as a tool to teach the child, not teach the curriculum, as you said, and be a slave to it, be handcuffed to it. Right. That's what we don't want. Right. And as well, that would apply to even these methods or these flavors that we're talking about, you know, take what we can use from them and make things work for our specific and unique needs. Um, so all of those that you mentioned, and I know you mentioned this already, but they can be changed and mixed together and um, combined in all sorts of amazing combinations that work for our unique family needs. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, I'm not very familiar with Charlotte Mason. Um, when I began to hear more about it, my children were already pretty old. Um, but I was, I was wondering, and just, this is just kind of an off the cuff question for you as you were going through the different flavors and you mentioned unit studies, I wondered, do you know, Charlotte Mason homeschoolers that incorporate unit studies or thematic studies with their Charlotte Mason? I wondered if those two went together. <laughs> um, again, it depends on where you are on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. If you're a diehard Charlotte Mason, then you'll know that she recommended you don't do unit studies okay. because she wanted the children to form those connections on their own. Wow. She thought it would stick more than having the teacher make the connections and then spoon feed it to the kids. Yep. So in that respect, you wouldn't. But I do know some homeschoolers that have chosen to try to combine the two. And there are different curricula out there that cater to the different approaches. Mm -hmm. And some of the curriculum will combine, they take a combined approach. So there are different curriculum that combine unit studies and Charlotte Mason, just aspects of each. So Yes, I mean, the Charlotte Mason police don't show up on your doorstep and say, shame on you, you shouldn't be doing this at right. all. You need to do what fits your child best. Right, yep. And that's, that's, the, that's the part of homeschooling that I love is that, that we, we can do that. We have that freedom as parents. And even within your homeschool, you know, I, I know I mentioned I have six children, you have four. You mm -hmm. may have one particular way of learning or method of homeschooling that works very well for one student and then have another child that, you know, it, it's just a abysmal mess. 
<laughs> and you might have to do something completely different for them. Um, so I know I've had to do that with at least two of my children, just kind of a 180 with, with how I, how I approach their learning. So I had to learn that one through a lot of trial and error. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a balancing act because on one hand, you need to choose a style or combination of styles that are going to be a good fit for you as the teacher. Because right. if, you know, if you bring in a style that just grates on you, you can try and keep that happy base, but <laughs> it's going to come through doing it every day. So trying to find one that, because if you are in it for the long haul, you're going to be teaching longer than the kids are going to be in your school, you know, they're only going to be in there for 12 years or so. Mm -hmm. But if you've got more than one kid, you're going to be teaching longer than 12 years. So find something that is a good fit for you as the teacher, but then also keep an eye on the children and make those tweaks as needed. As you said, you can bring in something from another method if that's going to fit that child best in that particular subject. You know, you can you can adjust according to child, according to subject area, according to method. You've got so many options. It's, it's really great. Yeah. And as you were speaking, I, I know I mentioned it a little bit already, the fact of trial and error. I found that really that's how I've learned through, <laughs> through all of these years of homeschooling. Um, you know, I've, I'll try something and then I'll realize oh my goodness, this, I am miserable. I can't continue with this uh, and I'll have to change. And so trial and error isn't something that should get us down as a homeschool parent, but it should just be a learning process. You know, okay, this didn't work. Well, let's find something that does and just keep, you know, we're learning right along with our children as you've already mentioned. And so that's just another one of those learning opportunities. Um, I, I find a lot of new homeschoolers kind of get discouraged when, when, you know, they're in, they're just getting started and it's just feels like it's not working or maybe like you said, it's just grading against who they are and their personality and, and what they like and dislike. So just wanted to throw that so out. Hopefully, exactly. Hopefully they now see that, okay, maybe it's not me. That's the problem. Maybe it's just this particular method. I didn't know there were other methods we could use. It's, it's really just like, I love this encouragement, Jamie, as you said, because it's just like any other thing that's new to you. Think about it. Um, homeschooling is not something you grow up with this skill in, you know, in your back pocket. You can just pull out and do it and you're fine. Right. It's like, okay, when I got married, I knew how to cook two things. I could make macaroni and cheese out of a box and once I forgot to drain the macaroni, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> and I could heat up a can of soup and pour it over rice. Doesn't that sound yummy? But I knew that you were supposed to have variety in your meals. And so with the macaroni and cheese, I always served beets. Don't know why, but did. But variety, right? Yeah. So sometimes I served sliced beets. And sometimes I served diced beets. Mm -hmm. You learn as you go. Absolutely. It was really hard mm -hmm. when I started trying to learn how to cook other things. 
And okay, I think I figured out all the steps needed to cook this. But what do you mean it has to be ready at the same time as two other things and put on the table all at once while they're all still hot? How do you do that? Yeah. It was trial and error. Mm-hmm. We, I still remember the time I decided to branch out and make egg salad. I was going to make this wonderful little picnic on our living room floor. It was going to be just the greatest thing in the world. And I'd never made egg salad before. So I used a recipe and I misread the recipe. And have you ever seen egg salad with a tablespoon of pepper in it? No, I don't think it's gray. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Oh no. So yeah, I, I made mistakes. We all are going to, when we're trying something new, but as you say, just learn from it and keep going, try it again, or try something else, tweak it. Next time, do only a teaspoon of pepper and see if you like it then. <laughs> so any, give yourself grace, because this is something new. It's a new skill, just like any other new skill that you've had to learn. And you're going to get there. I think our biggest fear as homeschoolers is I'm going to ruin my child. Mm-hmm. That's our biggest fear. But Jamie, let me ask you, when you made your mistakes in homeschooling, did you ruin your children? No, no, absolutely not. And they actually learned about that process of trial and error through watching me. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. They are learning how to handle life. They're learning so many life lessons from spending the days with us. If we will be vulnerable enough to share those life lessons with them mm-hmm. in an appropriate way. Right, right. And then they are also learning about themselves that, oh, this particular approach doesn't fit me very well. I don't really learn that way. Um, it's easier for me if I can learn it this way. And that's valuable information for them as they go through their own lives. Right. And even valuable information for us, because that encourages us to communicate with them and let them, okay, is this working for you? Uh, I found that as my children got older, you know, when they're younger, it's more on me. You know, I have to make sure that they're thriving in this environment and that they're doing well. But then as they get older, it becomes more a a partnership. You know, we're working together. I want you to succeed. How can I help you do that? What, what can I provide you with that will um, give you the tools that you need to be successful in whatever area you're studying? And so I found that as my children have gotten older, they can communicate with me what's working and what's not, or what they love and just really motivates them to learn and what shuts them down. (laughs) And that's very important information to know about yourself. Absolutely. Right. And I found as well, you know, if they're able to distinguish those things in high school, then when they move into, you know, post high school studies, whatever that might be, some of them, some of them went to college, some of them uh, did internships and, and they're uh, working at a tech school now. So each of them learning that when they were in high school or valuable aspects of their education as they've moved on in their adult lives. That's the whole thing. It's easy for us to think of the graduation as the goal line. It's like, if we can just get them there, if we can just get that transcript and get all the credits, we're done. 
we've, we've done a success, but homeschooling is very long-term. We are trying to develop persons, trying to develop them to become the best version of themselves that they can possibly be for the rest of their lives. Right. So don't get (laughs) head down on just the academics. Developing them as persons involves their habits, their opinions, their principles, Mm -hmm. their consciences, all of that aspect goes into it as well. Right. And that's a very relevant point for the discussion that we're having today on even homeschool methods. You know, so as we're working through this and kind of determining what one or combination of these homeschool methods works for us, we keep that in mind as well, that we're not just looking at academics, but which one of these methods will enable us to teach the whole child to grow them in that aspect, you know, for preparation for adult life, for the the social aspects that they'll need to have. Yeah. It's a little bigger than sometimes we ever even imagine. (laughs) But it's, it's also, that can seem scary, but it's also just part of parenting. It is. I mean, we, we took that on when we became parents. And when you take on homeschooling as well, just don't let the academics crowd the rest out of sight. Make sure you keep that whole picture because that's a huge advantage to homeschooling is you can encourage and educate the whole person all the way through. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time spent with us today. It's It's been a joy to talk with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yes, and I feel like um, this is a good resource for homeschool parents as they're trying to work through all of these big decisions and uh, very important aspects of homeschooling. So I appreciate your insight and wisdom. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Yes. I want to share with our listeners too that Sonia is from Simply Charlotte Mason. So if you are interested in the Charlotte Mason homeschooling method, I want to encourage you to visit their website. And I will include links to that to make it easier for you um, in our notes. And then I also wanted to mention that homeschool.com has a homeschool methods quiz. Now, by no means is this um, a perfect diagnostic tool, but it's a nice way to kind of get started in get a little direction as to what might be a good fit for you. And you can visit that and take that quiz at homeschool.com under the getting started menu navigation. All right. We wish you all the best. 